You know, it's my prayer that every local church in our nation would resemble the church in Philadelphia. This was the enduring church. This was a church that was unashamed of gospel proclamation. This was a church that stood in the face of persecution and never cowered back. This was the church that I believe that Jesus loved so greatly and that the affirmation that we see in this session is going to excite your heart prayerfully to mobilize you to be just as faithful in your context, just as the saints in Philadelphia were in theirs. Jesus identifies himself as the one who holds the key of David. Now that's very interesting because it has messianic proportions that are connected to that, to that title. It reminds me of an illustration kind of like this. I remember when I was young, my mama took me to a concert and we got there super early, before the doors were even open, before other people actually were lined up to get into the concert. And over the course of time for waiting for the doors to open, the line grew in mass behind us. And the door was supposed to open at a certain time. And as soon as a certain time came about, people were knocking on the door trying to get the attention of the security guard. The security guard walked over to where we were and he said, I have to go find the key to actually unlock this door. And then people got a little frustrated and said, the door's supposed to be open at this time. And he said, be patient, there's a key that unlocks this door. And I can't let anybody in until I find that key to unlock this door. So he went, he found the key, he unlocked the door, he let everybody in and we enjoyed the concert. Now the parallel between that and the key of David is this. What Jesus is saying is that he is the one who actually holds the messianic key to open God's saving grace of redemption so that people from every nation, tribe, and tongue who call upon the name of Jesus Christ to be saved will be brought into the household of God. So when Jesus says, I hold the key of David, he is saying, I'm the only one who opens God's open door policy of saving grace to sinners from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Now this would have been very pertinent to the saints in Philadelphia because there was tension amongst them and those who were practicing Judaism in their day. Because the Jews were saying, you can have no part of God's messianic kingdom if you're saying that Jesus is Messiah. So they were actually telling the believers in Christ, you're not part of the kingdom of God. You have no place in the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is saying is, look, I'm the one who holds the key of David. I am the one who says who is in the kingdom and who is out of the kingdom. And Jesus tells all the saints in Philadelphia, you're in the kingdom. It's those who were actually a part of this synagogue of Satan who were not a part of my kingdom. And Jesus says to the saints in Philadelphia that they have been faithful with the word of Christ. And what that means is that they were unashamed of the gospel message, that they boldly proclaimed it with their lips and the implications of the gospel with their life. And then Jesus also adds to that the fact that they were unashamed of his name. Paul says that the cross is a stumbling block to the non-believer because the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ tells everybody in the human population that it's not your good works, you can't earn salvation, you sure can't work for it, you have to commit yourself to say I'm a sinner, that there's nothing I can do to remove my sin debt, that I've got to fully declare myself to be a recipient of God's plea bargain. The plea bargain of God says this, admit you're a sinner, embrace the reality that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life that you and I could never live, he climbed on a cross, he became a sponge, God poured the full cup of wrath out on Jesus on the cross, and Jesus absorbs it down to the last drop. But then Jesus was buried three days 
days later, he rose from the grave. And that's literally the evidence that Jesus's payment was cleared by God as acceptable. So Jesus is the open door policy for God's saving grace to humanity. And what I love about the kingdom of God is that it is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational kingdom. And I think this is best understood when we unpack what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. See, in Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, Paul says that Jesus came and he preached peace to those who were near and those who were far off. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, he identifies Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone of our faith. Now, the role of a cornerstone is to bring two opposing walls into itself so the foundation of the building can be set, it can be constructed upon. So Jesus literally allowed himself to preach peace to those who were Jews that were near and those who were Gentiles who were far off and save them and bring them into himself to begin construction on building his church. And it reminds me of this. I remember back in the day, my wife and I threw a barbecue and we invited a couple of families. Now, this is way back in the day before we had GPS on our cell phones. And the families both, I gave them the address and they went to this website called mapquest.com. They typed it in and they sent that, that typeset to this contraption called a printer. And this printer spit out this piece of paper and it had the directions from their location to our address. Now, the first family actually called me and they said, we're lost. And I said, I want you to tell me where is your location at right now? They said, we're at this gas station at this payphone." And I said, is there a church's chicken? They said, yes. I said, okay, you're literally a block away from my house. However, when you pull out of the gas station, it's a one way, there's a median and you can't come on my block. You're gonna have to go out of the way two blocks and circle back through a neighborhood. So I said, stay where you are. I'm gonna leave the house. I'm gonna get in my car. I'm gonna meet you where you are. That's exactly what I did, met them where they were, and I led them back to my house. As soon as I walked in the house, the phone rang again, and it was the second family. This time, they called and said, we're at this McDonald's off the freeway. Where are we at? And I said, what exit did you get off on? And they told me. And I said, man, you're about a mile and a half away from my house. I said, stay where you are, because I'm going to have to come and find you where you are. So I got in my car. I got on the freeway, got off on the exit, met them in the parking lot of McDonald's, and I led them back to the house. Now you're like, what does that have to do with the work of Jesus? The Jews were like that family that was like a block away from my house. They were near, they had directions, but they weren't in my house. So Jesus left the comforts of his house, which is heaven. And he came and he preached peace with God for those who were enemies of God, which is every human being that has ever been born because we were born dead in sin. And so for those who were ethnically Jewish, he proclaimed that he was the Messiah and they either accepted him or rejected him. For those that accepted him, they followed him back into the household of faith. Remember, he holds the key of David. He's got the open door. He allows us into the family of God. And for those of us who were not ethnically Jewish and were Gentile, Jesus met us where we were. We were far away from God and he preached peace to us when we heard the gospel. This is what he's saying to the church in Philadelphia. You have endured, you have been faithful. I'm gonna spare you from tribulation and I want you to consistently remain faithful. Jesus is saying the same call to faithfulness to our local churches today. May we be a resemblance of the church in Philadelphia. May we be unashamed with the gospel message, proclaiming that the human race is fallen into sin. We're slaves to sin. We can't free ourselves and point all eyes to our savior, Jesus Christ who did everything that was necessary to save us from the due penalty for our sin that we rightfully deserve. And finally, we must then be unashamed of the name of Jesus and stand firm for righteousness and for truth. So as you go into your discussion, as you work through the content of this session, I want you to ask yourself, 
Are we remaining unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ? And are we just as enduring as faithful as the church in Philadelphia?